Act Five of Don Juan, or The Feast with the Statue, by Molière, translated by Henri van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five. The theater represents a landscape. Scene One. Don Louis. Don Juan. Scannerville. What? My son, is it possible that the mercy of heaven has granted my prayers? Is what you tell me really true? Do you not deceive me with a false expectation? And can I indeed believe the astonishing tidings of your conversion? Don Juan, playing the hypocrite. Yes, I have seen the error of my ways. I am no longer the same I was last night, and heaven has suddenly wrought a change in me which will surprise everyone. It has touched my heart and opened my eyes. I look back with horror upon my long blindness and the crimes and disorders of the life I have led. In my own mind I consider all my former abominations. I am astonished that heaven could bear with me so long and that it has not twenty times discharged upon my head the thunderbolts of its terrible justice. I see how kind and merciful it has been to me in not punishing my crimes. I intend to profit by it as I ought, to show openly to the world a sudden change in my life, to repair by those means the scandal of my past actions, and endeavor to obtain from heaven a full remission of my sins. I am now going to strive for this. I beg of you, sir, to aid me in this design and to assist me in making the choice of a person who may serve me as a guide and under whose conduct I may walk safely in the way upon which I am entering. Ah, oh, my son, how easily does the love of a father return! And how quickly do the offenses of a son fade from the memory at the least mention of repentance! I have already forgotten all the sorrows you have caused me. Everything is effaced by the words you have just spoken. I confess I am beside myself. I shed tears of joy. All my prayers are answered, and henceforth I have nothing to ask from heaven. Embrace me, my son, and persist, I conjure you, in this praiseworthy resolution. As for me, I shall go immediately to carry these happy tidings to your mother, unite with her in expressing our delight, and return thanks to heaven for the holy thoughts with which it has vouchsafed to inspire you. Scene 2. Don Juan, Scannerville. Ah, sir, how glad I am to see you converted. I have long been waiting for this, and now, thanks to heaven, all my wishes are accomplished. Hang the booby. How? Booby? What? Do you think I was serious in what I said just now? And do you imagine that my mouth uttered what my heart believed? What? It is not. You do not. You're... Aside. Oh, what a man. What a man. 
What a man! No, no, I'm not altered, and my feelings are always the same. What? Do you not yield to the surprising miracle of a moving and speaking statue? There is really something in that which I do not understand. But whatever it may be, it is not capable either of convincing my judgment or of shaking my nerves. And if I said I wished to reform my conduct and was going to lead an exemplary life, it is a plan which I have formed out of pure policy, a useful stratagem, a necessary disguise which I am willing to adopt in order to spare the feelings of a father whose assistance I want, and to screen myself with respect to mankind from the consequences of a hundred disagreeable adventures. Scannerelle, I make you my confidant in this case, and I am very glad to have a witness of the feeling of my inmost soul, and of the real motives which instigate me to act as I do. What? You believe in nothing, and you pretend at the same time to set up as a virtuous man? And why not? There are many others besides myself who carry on this trade and who make use of the same mask to deceive the world. Scannerell aside. Oh, what a man, what a man. There is no longer any shame in acting thus. Hypocrisy is a fashionable vice, and all fashionable vices pass for virtues. The character of a virtuous man is the best part which one can play. Nowadays, the profession of hypocrite possesses marvelous advantages. It is an art, the quackery of which is always respected. And although it be seen through, no one dares to say anything against it. All other vices of mankind are liable to censure, and everyone is at liberty to attack them openly. But hypocrisy is a privileged vice, which, with its own hand, closes the mouth of all the world and peacefully enjoys a sovereign impunity. By mere force of humbug, a compact body is formed by the whole set. He who offends one brings them all upon him, and those whom everyone knows to act in all good faith and to be perfectly sincere— even those, I say, are generally the dupes of the others. They simply fall into the traps of the humbugs and blindly support those who ape their own conduct. How many, think you, do I know who by this stratagem have adroitly patched up the errors of their youth, who put on a cloak of religion, and beneath this venerated habit obtain leave to be the most wicked fellows on earth? It signifies nothing that their intrigues and they themselves are known for what they are. They have none the less influence in society. A demurely bent head, a canting sigh, and a pair of upturned eyes justify with the world all that they can do. It is under this favorable shelter that I intend to take refuge and arrange matters comfortably. I shall not abandon my darling habits, but I shall take care to conceal them and amuse myself quietly. If I should be discovered, I shall, without stirring a finger, find my interests espoused by the whole crew, and be defended by them through thick and thin against every one. In short, 
This is the true way of doing with impunity all that I please. I shall set myself up as a censor of the actions of others, judge ill of everyone, and think well only of myself. Whoever has offended me, however slightly, I shall never forgive, but preserve without much ado an irreconcilable hatred. I shall announce myself as the advocate of the interests of heaven, and under this convenient pretext I shall persecute my enemies, accuse them of impiety, let loose against them those rash zealots who, without knowing why or wherefore, will raise an outcry against them, overwhelm them with abuse, and openly condemn them to perdition on their own private authority." It is thus that we must profit by men's weaknesses, and that a man who is no fool adapts himself to the vices of his age. Oh, heavens, what do I hear? You only wanted to be a hypocrite to make you perfect, and now you have reached the height of your abominations. Sir, your last stroke is more than I can bear, and I cannot help speaking. Do what you please with me, beat me. Break every bone in my body, kill me if you like. I must discharge my conscience, and, like a faithful servant, tell you what I ought. Know, sir, that the pitcher goes so often to the well, that it comes home broken at last, and as that author, whose name I have forgotten, very well says, man is, in this world, like a bird on a bough. The bough is fixed to the tree. He who clings to the tree follows good precepts. Good precepts are better than fair words. Fair words are found at court. At courts are courtiers. The courtiers follow the fashion. Fashion proceeds from fancy. Fancy is a faculty of the soul. The soul gives us life. Life ends in death. Death causes us to think of heaven. Heaven is above the earth. The earth is not the sea. The sea is subject to storms. The storms toss vessels. Vessels have need of a good pilot. A good pilot is prudent. Young people are not prudent. Young people ought to obey old people. Old people love riches. Riches make men rich. The rich are not poor. The poor have necessities. Necessity has no law. He who knows no law lives like a brute beast. And consequently, you shall be condemned to the bottomless pit. What fine arguments! If you do not give in after this, so much the worse for you. Scene 3. Don Carlos, Don Juan, Scanavel. Don Juan, I meet you just in time. I am glad to address you here rather than at your own house, to ask you what you are resolved to do. You know that it concerns me, and that in your presence I took upon me to watch over this affair. As for me, I do not conceal it. I sincerely wish that things may be arranged in an amicable way. There is nothing which I would not do to induce you to take that course and to see you publicly recognize my sister as your wife. Don Juan, in a hypocritical tone. Alas, I should indeed like to give you with all my heart the satisfaction you desire. But heaven is directly opposed to it. It has inspired me with the design of amending my life. 
and I now entertain no other thoughts than entirely to abandon all that binds me to this world, to strip myself as soon as possible of all sorts of pomps and vanities, and henceforth to correct, by an austere behavior, all those criminal irregularities into which a blind and youthful ardor led me. This design, Don Juan, does not clash with what I propose, and the company of a lawful wife is not in opposition to the praiseworthy designs with which heaven has inspired you. Alas, that is by no means the case. Your sister herself has formed the same plan. She has resolved to withdraw into a nunnery, and we have both been touched by grace at the same time. Her going into a nunnery cannot give us satisfaction, since it may be attributed to the contempt which you show to her and our family. Our honour demands that she should be married to you. I assure you that cannot be. I was very much inclined towards that union, and this very day I asked counsel from heaven about it. But... When I did so, I heard a voice which told me that I ought not to think of your sister, and that most certainly I could not be saved with her. Do you think, Don Juan, that you can blind us with such fine excuses? I obey the voice of heaven. What? Would you have me be satisfied with such a speech? Heaven will have it so. Have you taken my sister out of a nunnery to abandon her at last? Heaven ordains it so. Shall we suffer this blot upon our family? Seek your redress from heaven. Pah! Why always heaven? Heaven wishes it should be so. It is enough, Don Juan. I understand you. This spot is not favourable for what I have to say about it. But I shall find you before long. You may do as you please. You know I am not wanting in courage, and can use my sword if need be. I am going directly through that little lonely street which leads to the great convent. But I declare to you solemnly, I do not wish to fight. Heaven forbid the thought. And if you attack me, we shall see what will come of it. Truly, we shall see. We shall see. Scene 4. Don Juan. Scanavel. Sir, what a devil of a style you have adopted. This is worse than all the rest, and I liked you much better as you were before. I always hoped you might be saved, but now I despair of it. I believe that heaven which has endured you hitherto, can never bear this last abomination. Pooh, pooh! Heaven is not so particular as you think, and if men were every time to... Scene 5. Don Juan, Scanavel, a ghost in the form of a veiled woman. Scanavel, seeing the ghost. Ah, sir, heaven speaks to you. It is a warning it gives you. If heaven gives me a warning, it must speak more plainly if it wishes me to understand it. Don Juan has but a moment to take advantage of the mercy of heaven, and if he does not repent now, 
His perdition is certain. Do you hear, sir? Who dares to utter such words? I think I know that voice. Oh, sir, it is a ghost. I know it by its step. Ghost, phantom, or devil, I shall see what it is. The ghost changes its shape and represents time with a scythe in its hand. Oh, heavens, do you see this change of shape, sir? No, no, nothing can frighten me, and I shall try with my sword whether it is a body or a spirit. The ghost vanishes the instant on Juan offers to strike it. Ah, oh, sir, yield to so many proofs and repent immediately. No, no, come what will, it shall never be said that I was capable of repentance. Come, follow me. Scene 6. The Statue of the Commander, Don Juan, Scanavel. Stay, Don Juan. You gave me your word yesterday that you would come and sup with me. Yes. Where shall we go? Give me your hand. Here it is. Don Juan, a terrible death is the consequence of persistency in sin. And when the mercy of heaven is refused, its thunder appears. Oh, heavens, what do I feel? An inward flame devours me. I can bear it no longer, and my whole body is on fire. Ah! Loud claps of thunder are heard. Great flashes of lightning fall upon Don Juan. The earth opens and swallows him up. Flames burst out on the very spot where he went down. Scene 7. Scannerell alone. Alas, my wages, my wages. Everyone is satisfied by his death. Offended heaven, violated laws, maids seduced, families dishonoured, parents outraged, wives ruined, husbands driven to despair, all are satisfied. I alone am unhappy. My wages, my wages, my wages. End of Act 5 End of Don Juan or The Feast with the Statue by Moliere Translated by Henri Van Laun